Mark chapter 8, starting with verse 34. When Jesus had called the people to himself, along with his disciples, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake and for the sake of the gospel will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world yet loses his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his own soul? Father, thank you for already meeting us here, ministering to our hearts and lifting our spirits. We ask now, God, that you would speak to us and give us the direction and the guidance that we need. And may we embrace this most challenging invitation that comes from you today. Thank you for your word. Amen. What a question verse 37 poses. What will a man give in exchange for his soul? As you look across the world, really, you will see people giving a lot of things in exchange for their soul. We continue in a, in a, in a series that I've entitled the invitation. We're looking throughout scripture started in Genesis and God willing we will end in Revelation in a few more weeks. Finding the invitations from God and from God's people. For instance, there's an invitation to come to God in prayer in your time of need. Jeremiah 33 and three says, call to me, and I will answer you, and I will show you great and mighty things which you do not know. What a great invitation. When you're facing difficulty, when you're facing trouble, when you're going through the situation, call to God. Too many times we go to the phone instead of going to the throne. And he invites us, come to me, call to me, and I'll answer you, I'll hear you, and I'll show you a thing or two that you don't know. Because how many understand today, you don't know it all. Turn to your neighbor and just politely tell him and remind him, you don't know it all. Somebody tell me today, I don't know it all. I don't know it all. I say that with all the love I can conjure, you don't know it all. Sometimes we think we know everything. Sometimes we think we've got it all figured out. But God, if we will call to him, he will hear us, he will answer us, and he will show us a thing or two that we don't know. Here's another invitation. Come to God, come to the Lord Jesus when you need comfort. Matthew eleven twenty eight. 28, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and what will he do? He said, I'll give you rest. 
Too many times we go to the doctor, we go to the psychiatrist, we go to the lawyer, we go to the therapist, we go to this one, we go to that one, when we ought to be going to the Lord Jesus. Because he'll give us rest and offer us comfort in our time of need. He offers an invitation to salvation. Now this is an invitation that everybody needs. Every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, male, female, young, old, doesn't matter the color of your skin, everybody needs this invitation to salvation because, remember this, we're all sinners. Romans 3.23, all have sinned, all have fallen short of the glory of God. Not, not only does everybody need this invitation to salvation, all can accept this invitation. Let me just walk you through the Romans road a little bit. Y'all remember the Romans road? Did you have to memorize the Romans road? I was taught to, to memorize the Romans road and then you could lead somebody to the Lord. You get them, you, you get them lost, you get them in sin, you let them realize and recognize they're sinners. Then you get them to a place of salvation. The Romans road still works. Hey guys, I want your attention and your focus up here. Back row. Hello. I'm preaching. Come on, give me your focus. I haven't called somebody out for a long time. That felt good right there. <clears throat> I love them. I, if I didn't love them, I wouldn't say something. But I'm, I'm telling you, the word of God is so powerful. And the word that God has for us today, I don't want anybody to miss. Look at this. Let's go through the Romans road real quick. Not only has everybody sinned and everybody fallen short of the, God, uh, the glory of God, but Romans 5.8 says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Powerful. Romans 10.9, if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, look what it says, you will be saved. Romans 10.13, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You really need to RSVP to this one. The invitation to salvation. Accept Christ today and be free. Be free, be delivered, be saved. However, for the next few minutes that we have here this morning, I want to focus on what I believe will be the most challenging invitation in this series. Because you see, the, the invitation that is offered today from Jesus is different. It's, well, difficult. It's an invitation to discipleship, which is an invitation to discipline. Discipleship is discipline. I don't know very many people that really have this down totally and completely. We fight against discipline, don't we? Disciplining our schedules. Some have it, and that's wonderful. But I don't know of anybody that has it down in every area of their life. This invitation is a a call and a challenge to count the cost of following. If you really look at it closely, you'll find that this invitation is an invitation to suffering. It's an invitation to deprivation. It's an invitation, maybe even, to martyrdom or death. 
Can you imagine opening an invitation? Hey, I'm inviting you over to die today. (laughs) B-Y-O-C. Bring your own cross. Sorry. (laughs) That's what this invitation is all about. Call to me. Pray to me. I'm, I'm on that. You want comfort? Come to me, all you are, who are, are heavy laden and, 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 and are going through the trouble. I, I, I'll go. I, I'm in. A call to die. An invitation to suffer. That's where a lot of people check out. Even some of the early disciples... Jesus started talking like this in another passage of Scripture and, and eating his body and drinking his blood. And, and they said, I'm, I'm out of here. I can't do all that. That's going to infringe on what I like to do and my enjoyment. That's, what this invita- That's why I say this is the most challenging invitation of the whole series. Let's look at why I feel it's the most challenging. First of all, it's challenging because the challenge comes for us to forget about ourselves. Jot down a few notes. Number one, forget yourself. This is tough. Look at the scripture again. If anyone desires to come after me, follow me. He first of all says... Let him deny himself. We have trouble denying ourselves. We have trouble putting other people above ourselves, if we'll be honest. I'm going to be real honest today. This is something that I fight with because I'm selfish. I'll be honest with you. I was born that way. Lady Gaga can say that all she wants. Here's one. I was born that way. I was born selfish. Came out kicking and crying. Of course, I had a reason. You know, the doctor's spanking you on the backside. What did I do to him? But I've been kicking and crying my whole life. Wanting my own way. Fighting to put others before me. Even the ones that I love the most, my wife and my kids. I don't know. There's no other human beings on earth that I love more than, first of all, Karen. I love Karen more than any other human being on earth. And then my three kids. They come a close second. But I have to fight to put them before me because of my selfishness. And I'm just born that way. He says to deny yourself. Why do you think, let, let, me, let, me, let me quiz you real quick. What's the first commandment, the number one commandment? Love God. Love God with all your heart, soul, and strength. We just encouraged little Isabella and her family in that, in fact. The number one commandment of all time, love God. So we put a big check next to that, those of us who've decided to follow Christ and, lo- and, and, and know God and follow God, right? Oh, I got that one down. What's the second command? <sighs> love your neighbor. And it could have just stopped right there. Love your neighbor. Love God and love others, right? But he said, love your neighbor like you love yourself. 
Because God knew we were going to love ourselves. How many looked in the mirror before you left the house today? How many looked in, oh, 12 people? I don't believe so. We're going to have an altar call right now. I looked in the mirror several times before I left. Got to make sure my part's right over here. You looked in the mirror. It's all right. Don't, I'm not busting mirrors today. After all, that's bad luck, right? <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> But we, my point is, we love ourselves. Which we should, we'd do well. Some churches, some churches, huh, they'd do well to change some of their lyrics in their worship songs. I worship me, almighty me, there is none like me. I exalt me. Because if we're honest with ourselves, I think... Life becomes more about us than it does about others, let alone about God. Love God, that's number one. You're not even in second place. You're not even supposed to be second on the list. I'm not even supposed to be second. Love God and love others, then you can think about yourself. But we think about ourselves, and then we think about God, and then maybe we'll think about others, and we have things out of priority. It's about denying yourself. Thank you. Somebody's with me. Isabella's with me today. Look, look, look. But listen, I'm not, I'm not, coming, I'm not trying to come down too hard on you. And when I say you, I mean me. Because I'm really preaching this to myself because I know how selfish I am. I know that I fight to put others ahead of me. I found something, though. I'm not alone. Even the hand-picked 12 by Jesus himself, two of them really messed it up royally. I found this in Mark chapter 10. James and John, the sons of Zebedee, they came to Jesus and they said, Teacher, we want you to do a favor for us. Will you do whatever we ask? Jesus said to them, well, what is it that you want me to do for you? He didn't just say yes, by the way. You always should find out what somebody's wanting you to do for them before you commit to it. Aha, uh-huh. that's just bonus right there. They said to Jesus, grant us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left hand when you get to heaven and when you're in glory. Jesus said to them, do you not know what you ask? You do not even know what you're asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I'm about to drink? Are you able to be baptized with the baptism that I'm going to be baptized with? And they said ignorantly to him, well, sure. Yeah, we're able. Jesus said to them, well, you will indeed drink the cup that I drink, and you will be baptized with the baptism that I'm going to be baptized with. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it is for those for whom it is already prepared. Here they are jockeying for position and prestige and power, not denying themselves, not thinking of others above themselves. What about the other 10 that are there? They probably stirred a little something up there. Hey, I want to be, I want to be next to him. We, we mess it up too many times, church. We do well to think about others before we think about ourselves. God, others, and then ourselves. 
always keeping Christ first. Seeking first God's kingdom. Matthew 6, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And everything that you need will be added to you. Giving Christ preeminence, first place in all areas of our life. After all, as Colossians 1:17 and 18 tells us, he is before all things, and in him all things consist. He is the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, that in all things he may have preeminence. Let me ask you a few questions here before we move on to point two. Who's on the throne of your heart? Who's really the Lord of your life? First place, is it self or the Savior? It's a challenging invitation, I understand. Because it's hard to forget about yourself. It's difficult to put others before yourself. But that's the call. That's the challenge. That's the invitation. It's challenging also because the call is for full surrender. A challenge to full surrender, not holding back. Not just these areas of my life and these areas of my heart, these rooms of my house, my heart house, God wants it all. Anybody have a junk room in your house? <laughs> Elliot's room is our junk room, yeah. <laughs> How about a junk drawer? Y'all surely got a junk drawer, right? You just hope nobody opens that drawer because you'd just be mortified. Well, a lot of people kind of have a junk room, you know, or maybe the garage, right? It's just a mess, and you hope nobody goes in there because that's just how you live, and you all understand that's how you live. And sure enough, the pastor's going to come over, and he's going to go in your junk room. He's going to go in your garage, you know. He's going to open the junk drawer. You know what? God wants every room of our heart house. Not just saying, oh, well, here's the, here's the special living room. They don't really make special living rooms much anymore. But when I was growing up, there was a special living room with special furniture that we could ever, never set on. <laughs> it was reserved for special guests, and there was never a guest that special to come over and set on our furniture. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? That's how we are sometimes. God, I'm going to give you the special room of my house. It's all tidy. It's all clean. I windex the window. I wiped everything down. But don't dare come and peek your head over here in, this, in, the, in my junk room. Listen, he wants full surrender. He wants access to every area and every room of our hearts. That's what this call is all about. That's what this invitation is all about. Let me read on in, in, our, in our text today. Whoever desires to come after me, let him first of all deny himself. Step two, take up his cross. Do you know what a cross was made for? Do you keep in mind and remember the whole purpose in fashioning a cross? It was a vehicle for death. The cross equates death. It has become something for us today to be embraced, and so we proudly display it and even illuminate it as we have 
on the cross that is behind me, putting the Holy Spirit on it, the dove, you know, it's all good, it's great, I love it. We hang it around our necks. We display it proudly in our homes. How many have a, a cross maybe hanging on a wall in your home? Lots of people do. Good. It's all good. But a cross is for death. It was, it was created for death. Imagine having an electric chair on a chain around your neck. A hangman's noose around your neck. No. A lethal injection that you hang in your display proudly in your hallway. It's morbid. No one would do such a thing. But that's what the cross is all about. The cross is about dying. Jesus actually tried to give a glimpse of this and a heads up to the disciples. If you back up just a few verses from our, 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 the core of our text here today, in verse 31, Jesus began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things, will be rejected by the elders, the chief priests, and the scribes, and be killed. And it goes on to say, after three days, he will also rise again. But don't get to the rise again so quickly that you brush past the suffering, the rejection, and the death. That's all part of the path that Jesus says, if anybody wants to follow me, come on. The apostle Paul said, I've got to die every day. I've got to die every day. It's a spiritual death, folks. And just because you went through the proceedings and the, the, the funeral, uh, steps of funeral and, and the mourning and all of that yesterday, you have to do it again today. And you'll have to do it again tomorrow. And as long as God gives us breath in our lungs, this is a process that we're going to have to go through. It is dying to ourselves so that the Spirit of God can live in us. And if I don't do this, Leslie, then I end up saying things out of my own flesh that I wouldn't normally do if I had died to my flesh that day. And I ask to be filled with the Spirit and the fruit of the Spirit to be produced in me and then displayed by me. If I'm, not, if I'm not dead to myself, then the, the, the flesh just wants to, to rear up its ugly head. But we have to fight against that. And we have to deny ourselves, take up our cross, head to that place of crucifixion. That's a challenge. Because we love ourselves. Peter didn't like what Jesus was saying as he tried to lay out the plan that God had. And so he says, come here, Jesus, bring up 32. He tries to tell Jesus that he didn't really know what he's talking about. He says he took him to the side. Peter took Jesus to the side and began to rebuke him. Now let me just give you a little heads up today. If you're going to rebuke anybody, make sure God's in it and that you do it in love and you do it scripturally. That's a good advice. But here's another piece of good advice. You should never rebuke God. 
You think that's good advice? How many think that's good advice? If you're going to rebuke somebody, make sure God's in it. Make sure it lines up with the word of God. Make sure you do it in love, but don't ever rebuke Jesus. And Jesus rebuked him back. He said, you don't even know what you're talking about. This is the whole reason that I came. He didn't understand God's plan, didn't, did he? And I think sometimes we don't understand God's plan. Taking up the cross is about full surrender. Christ willingly surrendered himself to the cross to save us. We are to willingly surrender our lives unto him in every day, in every way, and every day. This is the invitation that comes to you today. Finally, it's challenging, I felt, because the challenge is to follow the Savior. And the path of the Savior is, again, a path of suffering. It's a path of torture. It's a path of humiliation. He was accused of crimes that he didn't commit, was mocked and beaten, scourged, and he died. If anyone wants to follow me, this is the path. I don't think we look at this scripture quite uh, as, as honestly as maybe we should. Let him deny himself. Let him take up his cross. Let him follow me. I look around this room and I see many, most, who've already made a decision to follow Christ. How many Christ followers do we have here today? Come on, just as a testimony, maybe raise your hand and put it right back down. You've decided to follow Christ. Mine was on November the 14th, 1982. I made a decision to follow him. But I've had to re-up my decision many times. And I've had to decide I want to continue to follow him. Because as I, as I said earlier, when the teaching got tough, many decided I, I can't follow anymore. That's, that's not for me. Eating a body, drinking blood, uh, denying yourself, taking up. I can't, I can't deal with all of that. I can't hang with that. But there were some decided again, I'm going to continue to follow. We used to sing this coming up through the church. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus, no turning back. <laughs> we make a decision to follow him, and we are enabled to continue to follow him by the Holy Spirit. John 14, 17, bring that up for me if you don't mind. The Spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you will know him. He dwells with you and he will be in you. 
the Holy Spirit will enable you to deny yourself, to take up your cross and die daily so that the Spirit of God can, can live in you. The Spirit of God will help you to follow Jesus. I want you to bow your heads all over this room today. I first would like to ask, is there anyone here that you have not made a decision to follow Christ in the first place? If you're tired of living life the way you've been living it, and you want to try something wonderful and new, make a decision today to follow Christ, to follow Jesus, trusting Him. You won't regret it, and you'll never be the same. It may be a path of suffering and difficulty at times, but it's also a path of great pleasure and miracles. If you're here today and you would like to accept Christ and make a decision to follow him for the very first time, I want to see your hand so I could pray for you today. Just slip it up. And let me make sure that I see where you are. Anyone, let today be that day of decision following Christ. Is there anyone? Just lift your hand. You can put it right back down. I see no hand, so I'm, I'm trusting that that indicates that you've already decided to follow Christ. Pastor Moses is going to lead us in this simple chorus. And the second part of my call to you today for this altar time is for anyone who would like to re-up their decision, so to speak. You would say, Pastor, I'm going to continue to follow, even in the hard times, even though it may mean through a path of suffering, deprivation, maybe even death. There's no turning back. I'm in. If that's you, I want you to stand as Pastor Moses begins to lead us in this chorus. I have decided to follow Jesus. Come on, anybody going to re-up today? Decide today. To follow Jesus. I will continue on the path and on the journey. I'm going to follow you, Jesus. No matter what, no turning back. No, 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 no. No turning back. Though none go with me.
sang it like this. The cross before me. Remember that one? The world. Come on, somebody, just go like this. The cross before me. The world behind me. The cross before me. No turning back. dismiss you today I want to focus just another two minutes on our young people I've got the edge youth that are gathered here and I love that but we've got young people really scattered all over 25 and under yeah I see you love you guys there's going to be such pressure on you to to stop following. Enormous pressure. You have to just make up your mind that no matter what, I'm going to serve God. I'm going to serve Jesus. I'm going to follow Him. Hmm. How old are you? How old are you, man? Right here. 19. You're right there. You're probably getting all kinds of pressure even now, aren't you? There's three things that are working against us following Christ at all times. As long as we walk the earth, these three will fight for our attention and for our loyalty. The enemy comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Never takes a day off. He's not taking Thanksgiving off, by the way. He doesn't take holidays. He's fighting for your loyalty. He's fighting for you to not serve and follow Christ. The world. I think sometimes we minimize the world and its allure and its draw. But the world is fighting for your attention and your, your, your loyalty. And you'll have to fight against not just being sucked into that every day. The third enemy that you have is your own heart. Your own flesh. We fight against our flesh, and so we must die daily in order to continue step by step by step to follow Him and let Him lead us into that path that He has for us. Because wherever He leads, it's going to be good. It's going to be great. I want to follow Jesus. How about you? Amen. Amen. Pastor Jojo, come and dismiss us in prayer today. Please remember to join me, the staff, our pastors right here at 6 o'clock. And we are going to have an intense time of focused prayer for our future. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for all the wonderful things you have done in our midst this morning. We pray that as we leave this place, Lord, you continue to bear the fruit that's already been planted today. Water it, 
throughout this week, Lord God, by your grace, by your mercy, and by your spirit. We commit the rest of the week to you. Be with us. Give us wisdom as we face the difficulties of this world. And we're ever careful to give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.